Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandspring. Well, we're back on our home turf tonight, aren't we, Simon? Back in the uh, the wonderful borough of Cosham. Is it a borough? Ward. No, it's a... I'm never really... It's a, it's a, it's a, let's go for ward because it's not a borough. It's not on it. Don't start a separatism movement just because we're on the mainland. Don't, well, don't start all that shenanigans. Well, not we, we, we no, can't no. have, we can't have border control at Hillsy Lines. Well, is that the old misspelling, isn't it, of the Portsmouth Independence Party? If you misspell it right, it can, uh, what have they ever done for us? But anyway, before we go down this Pythonist road, um, you've been out and about, uh, this week and, uh, at a local meeting in Cosham, and we're lucky enough to have one of the sitting Cosham councillors, Councillor Lee Mason, joining us this evening. Welcome, Lee. Good evening. Pleased to be here again. Second time, so I can't have done too bad. Only last time, please get me back. <laughs> no, no, yeah. absolutely. We 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 love a returning guest. There's like a there's a league table. I think if you're on five times, we probably should get you a mug. But we haven't <laughs> we haven't commissioned those yet. So that's uh that's something for us to uh to look at. Yeah, that's part of the 2023 plan to start the Pompey Politics yeah. podcast merchandising. But you know, I look forward to the upgrade on the mug then. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Simon, what, what you've been out and about? Talk um, us through what, what's occurred. Yeah, sorry, you, you you make that sound like I've just been wandering around the streets of Cosham. Um, so uh, yes, uh, Wednesday, a chilly a chilly evening, um, but a well attended. Um, evening at um, at the at the local uh, church hall um, was a residence meeting with um, with the local police team, um, hosted by Councillor Mason, um, and also in attendance um, was um, Hampshire Island White Police and Crime Commissioner Donna Jones. So, um, yeah, despite it being cold, very very well attended, um, and there were various things said by residents that we'll get into uh, in a second. Um, and um, we've even got a couple of interviews from um, from two of the people that, that actually spoke at the, two of the residents that actually spoke at the meeting. But yeah, it was a it, it was a, a very interesting a very interesting evening, and there was more than a spattering of um, well, all of the local all of the Cosham councillors were there, um, and indeed some other councillors from other wards or some other candidates from um, other wards were also there um, to give to give moral support. So it was a it was a good old team sh- a team showing for. for, uh, for and Team Red were there as well. They, they didn't say anything, but they were in attendance. Uh, yeah. So uh, Councillor Councillor Shah, um, one of our one of our councillors in Cosham, uh, was also there. So um, he, he was there. He was there as well. So it was um, it was good. I didn't I didn't. Oh, uh, yeah. I think there was one of the one of the other ward uh candidates for labor was there but um as that as they haven't necessarily all gone public yet so we we don't know but in the mentions of uh future candidates for the for the may local elections we'll we'll of course be doing our our offer to do online hustings um for in any ward in this any of the 14 wards in the city where any two candidates can say yes and agree on a day um, then we'll, we'll do an online online hustings for them. So um, watch this space, and we'll start um, filling those in. But the nominations don't close until four pm on the fourth of April. So um, some people might be a little bit shy to say that they're confirmed as a candidate. But you might be able to tell from social media that they're a candidate in waiting. So watch this space. But yes. So shall we shall we hear from hear from two of the residents that we um 
that we had there, Ian? Should we, should we kick off with, um, with them? Yeah, it might be worth us just taking question one first, playing those two, just looking at the way they form. So just the background yeah. as to why the meeting here. Yeah, sure. No worries. That's that's fine. So, um, so Lee, what was, as we've said, um, I was there. Um, what was the what was it that, that prompted the meeting on Wednesday? What's what's behind it? Um, back in November and December, I did notice there was a few um, posts up in the EPO six Facebook groups and the Social Matters Facebook groups, and people were complaining about different problems they've had. And also, while I'm out knocking on doors, speaking to people. We had a lot of people saying they're concerned they've either seen someone trying door handles or they've had this happen to a friend and it was a reoccurring theme so whilst i was passing it up um to donna she actually loves to meet people likes to get out there that's part of her way she operates is she's very good in person so i approached her and emailed her asked her if she would um, be willing to come and do a residence meeting so we could put it direct i booked the um church hall i delivered the printed off the letters and around delivering them it's just opportunity to get people involved so they can put their concerns straight to the police and straight to Donna. And she does it all across the county with lots of different councillors to ask her to. So it's um it's just opportunity to actually raise it direct. Yeah, I mean it's it certainly I think it certainly gave a different because I've been to other meetings, other similar meetings before. I think a couple of years ago I went to one in Drayton. Um, and I must admit it does give it a different air to actually have have the the um, police, police and crime commissioner there, being able to directly answer questions, um, as as well as the local police officers, because, as you'd imagine, there's, to some degree, there's kind of like a political element to the questions, and to some of them, there's a there's a, um, a process and a policing kind of element to them. So you know, in that respect, that's you know that that kind of that kind of works. Um, so yeah, it um, was certainly good having her there, um, and certainly um certainly worthwhile so um yeah so good to hear that obviously those those voices have, have kind of prompted some sort of uh, prompted that action um so some of the, so two of those voices um were two of the people that, that spoke um were local residents uh, martin um and local uh, local resident uh, brian and both of whom shared um shared their their stories um in live in that they shared them in the meeting but we've interviewed them afterwards and, and cut together basically what 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 they've said so that our our listeners can can hear them so we're going to play them now and kind of hear it in there so that people can hear it in their in their own words um but martin's um story talks about um literally his his story starts from him talking about um he just got a call from his his wife to say that she was on her way back from shopping um and and kind of that's where his goes so so we went to the meeting really just to see how um, how the police were moving forward with crime prevention, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but also to voice my opinion and frustrations at the time with an event that happened just before Christmas. Now, um, this is I was. It was actually during the World Cup. Um, I was watching a game in the evening. It was about quarter past nine, and um, we have a ring doorbell and also CCTV around the house. And my ring doorbell went off. So there was obviously somebody on our drive. I assumed it was my partner's uh, son coming back. He sometimes comes back and puts stuff in the garage. Um, 
but he didn't actually come in. So I gave it about 20 minutes or so, and then um, he actually did come in the house. And I asked him whether he'd been on the drive about 20 minutes previously, mm-hmm. and he said no. So I then went on and checked the history on uh, on the ring doorbell, and um, there was a lad came onto our drive, um, large coat, hood, balaclava. Could you could only see his eyes, and he was a shining he was shining a torch into my partner's car on the drive. So I took a snapshot of the image of his face. Uh, I then checked the CCTV on the house and recorded the video when there was two lads uh, walked past the house. They were looking into cars with torches and one of them came back and then came up to the drive. So my partner, she was quite um, obviously very concerned and a bit edgy. She said, well, we need to let the police know. Um, and I said, well, there's not much point in ringing 999 because there's there's been no crime committed. So I went, I rang the 101 service that the police had and uh, I got an automated message uh, informing me that they had a large uh, volume of calls at the moment. Um, you could either wait on the line or you could email Hampshire Constabulary. So I thought, okay. So I came off and I emailed, uh, I went onto the Hampshire Constabulary website, um, lodged a report that there was a crime I thought could be happening later on. It was to me. I uploaded the video clip and the um, screenshot and, um, yeah, sent that off to them, expecting, naively, um, an immediate reply. Uh, it was an automated reply which uh, informed me that... Um, Thanks for your inquiry, and we aim to deal with your um, your case within two working days, which um, surprised me quite a lot. <laughs> um, I was quite annoyed that, you know, in order to report a crime, you have to wait up to two days for some sort of response. So the following day, I got a response from the police officer. She phoned me up. Um, acknowledged what I'd sent to them on the email and then informed me that my neighbour across the road had had his car stolen that night. I went to the guy next door, um, just let him know that I'd called the police, I'd sent images, etc., etc., which he was pleased about. And I then asked him, um, how did they steal your car? And he said, well, they actually broke into my house and took my car keys and then obviously got in the car and drove away. So... You know, when you sit there at these meetings and they they give you the um, the latest crime figures and how well they're doing and um, these new apps that they've got and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, there was no real uh, process of how they were going to actually prevent crime. You know, it's okay catching these people after the event, but obviously people like my neighbours have lost their car, had their house broken into, which is, I'm sure if anyone's experienced that, it's quite a, quite a, a bad thing to happen to you. Um, yeah, I, I naively thought that somebody would contact me that evening. Mm-hmm. Not immediately, but, you know, or maybe have sent a car down just on routine patrol, just to... Um, just to basically check out what I'd, I'd actually logged that evening. What was the response that you got from uh, from the commissioner? Well, they, they obviously are very sorry um, to hear that. And 
they hear this a lot. Um, they acknowledge that the fact that, you know, at the moment, policing levels are not what they should be. Um, and this, one of the strange things seemed to be that it, the, the, the police numbers were drastically reduced in the evenings and the nighttime as opposed to the daytime, which, you know, you would have thought that um, most crimes, particularly burglaries, car thefts, are committed at night and not in the daytime. So, you know, I found that a little bit odd that their priority for more for daytime rather than evenings and into the night. So, but we all, we all know about funding, police funding, shortage of officers, etc. But I think the actual experiences that the any resident has on a daily or weekly basis is particularly sort of car theft, burglaries, um, that sort of thing, uh, a fairly low pro, uh, low priority to the police at the moment. If we have a similar meeting in a year's time, it'll be interesting to see whether things have improved in that respect, in how they, how crime prevention is actually working rather than, you know, the arresting of people after the event, after they committed the crime, how the particular councillors deal with this this sort of, this aspect of, of uh, crime prevention, etc., and policing um, would very much influence how I voted in the local elections for sure. I could see out into the driveway, the hard stand where my wife would park, and there was already some headlights on there. They were facing the wrong way. So I did ask him what he was doing parked on my hard stand. And he said, I'm delivering food next door. I said, well, then you need to leave mine. I said, my wife is due home any minute and this is where she parks. So he, first of all, he said, well, I'm just delivering food. I said, no, you need to go now. The, the way he was parked at an angle um, that wasn't right to go straight out of the um, entrance to the drive, he still tried it. But what he did was um, he drove up onto my borders, through some of my shrubs, and tried to get out. Well, unfortunately, if, if people know the high, what we call the hybrid walls, on the piers, there's like um, a four-sided um, pyramid, capping stone. And he caught that with the side of his car, which actually ripped or put a dent through his wing, his draw, uh, his passenger door and the door behind it. But doing so, he pulled half of my wall down onto the pavement. He stopped where he was. Um, I, I, I went round and I stood in front of the car and um, I said, you need to give me some details. Um, he didn't want to. He said, um, it was an accident. I said that, you know, it doesn't matter being an accident. I've now got damaged property. And um, he was very reluctant to give me anything at all. Um, I stood in front of the car so he wouldn't drive off. And I said, well, if you don't give me your insurance details um, and your name and address, then I'm going to call the police. In the meantime, my wife had arrived home. She wasn't very happy. You know, she couldn't get onto the drive anyway, and then and half the wall was lying on the pavement. Um, so she did speak to next door um, to try and see if there was um, 
who they were because he wouldn't even give me who he was working for at, the, at that time. And they said, he's a delivery driver. So um, I went back to him and I said, you need to give me some details. And he said, no, I'm not. He said, I've got to go to work. And in the end, um, I said, again, if you don't give me these details, I will call the police. My wife had already spoke to um, 999 and she said, this is not an emergency, but I need some advice. And um, they told her, that um, someone would come out um, to, to talk to us. And while she, while she was talking to him, she said, well, what about the wall on the pavement? And they said, you would have to get in contact with Colas to come and remove it because it was, it was dangerous to leave it lying on the pavement. Um, but they said there will probably be a charge for that. In the end, he just said to me, F you and F the police. I'm just going, I'm going to work. And he got in the car and he drove off. Obviously, I had to step out of the way. Um, we um, did speak to um, the police again. Um, and uh, they, all they wanted to know was, had I um, grabbed hold of him, attacked him or anything like that? And my wife said no. They said, well, that's good because if he had, we would have been there to arrest your husband. They did say they was going to send somebody round. We waited most of the evening. Nothing. Nobody came. Um, we phoned up again and they said, you need to, to report all this online. So we sat and we put it on, done it online and sent off a response. We had to wait a couple of days to get a response. And that response was... Sorry, but um, we don't consider this to be within our criteria. We will not be acting on this or words to that effect. The frustrating part about it was that they were not interested. They were absolutely not interested. They didn't want the pictures. We, we told them we had them. They did take the registration. I, I, I was lucky I had my son and his friends to put the wall back. But, um, I mean, we've got neighbours along here that don't have sons or daughters, no. you know, mm -hmm. they're elderly people. How would they have dealt with it? The police are there to help us and basically protect us. And we never got either. What was, um, what was the response that you got from, um, from the hosts of the meeting? They said that should never have happened. You know, basically somebody should have come around. A crime was committed and they couldn't understand why the, um, the response we got um, from whoever was on the other end of the phone that evening. But she said, okay, we will still look into this. And um, But she said, it won't happen today. It will happen sometime next week. It, it's, it's taken something like one of these meetings to to highlight what is not happening, you know, for the public. You know, it's, it's, it's wrong, really, because if, if the public can't rely on the police to do their job, who do they rely on? Are, are, are we moving towards people taking the law into their own hands? It'd be terrible if, if, if that happens. We, we, we need the police to be there for us, you know, and, and you know, and, 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 and we pay our council taxes and everything else, and, and, and we don't ask for much, you know. It's not as if we're, we're, we're phoning the police every five minutes because of some silly disturbance. But when we really need them, they were not there for us.
So yeah, quick thank you to Martin and Brian for telling their story. So so Lee, when you listen to Martin and Brian's story, so um, uh, a what what are your thoughts and and how as a local councillor and other political activists, how can you influence policing within the local community? Um, things do go wrong. Um, I don't think anyone could try and say those were premier cases of policing, but that's why it's important there was a conduit to raise it, is the older adage, who polices the police? The person who polices the police is a policing crime commissioner. So whilst mm. a few years back I wasn't keen on the idea and it's like, why are they getting politicians involved in it? Now I've seen how it's been done. It's it's someone there to actually direct it to be following um, what the public set it resolved around where there are problems and to independently look at what has gone wrong. And the people that police the police, this policer, is the policing crime panel, which uh, from Portsmouth, it's um, Council of Assembly, there's independent members, but each borough or city in Hampshire sends representative and then they check to make sure the police and crime commissioners do the right job so there is the policing over there i know myself i've had it before um someone had their mobile phone stolen in the morrisons at the end of the hybrids and um they had cctv of it happening they phoned up towards the police the police were very dismissive oh it's not something we deal with i was straight on forward it onto donna and she was livid chased up saying no this is something we deal with and she was straight on it but things do go wrong and that's where it's good that you have someone stepping in and she is trying to make a difference. She's got her 600 new police officer since she took over starting um, this month. She, with the budget process she's gone through and the precept in Greece, that's an extra 50. Um, she is trying to do it. And we did mention about the levels of policing during the day. That was raised from another question about community team. Um, you have community policing during the day, they're going out visiting schools and meeting people, they're taking in evidence. It's rapid response that cover a wider area and then police cars in the evenings. It's a different type of policing. So there is a number of, um, you wouldn't expect to have neighbourhood policing so high in the evening where you expect them to have rapid response and actually get people out. And do. and it, it's not just crime. It's if you have someone's lost in a road traffic accident, it's the police that have to turn up to inform the family. It's a very challenging job. They have to deal with various problems. And we, we know this year we've had loss of life from the police where they have been taking part in trying to protect the public at road traffic accidents. So I'm, I can't say it's been excellent how those uh, two cases were dealt with, but what I do think is good is that they were able to pass it on to the police and crime commissioner and it is going to be investigated and hopefully other people won't have to go through the same thing again. Yeah, I think the the key thing there was, you know, as Martin himself said, you know, it'll be interesting to see if in a year's time, what you know what what the changes yeah. are what the, what the what the improvements are and uh, sorry my introduction was was um slightly wobbly at the beginning it was um it was it was brian who was waiting uh, for his wife to come home and it was, it was martin was um talking about a, a different situation so i think yeah sorry i think one of the things that did to reassure people that without the meeting mm. is when donna announced the new police um previous police and crime officer had very much siloed it into different stations and away from the public Donna announced and she is opening a new um, desk in Bosham with the uh, fire station. There'll be a police desk in there so people can pop in and talk to the police and the porter. And she wants to see more of that, looking at getting stations open up elsewhere in the city. So it's bringing back police into the community, I think, is a that'll be a positive step where people can pop in. People don't always like to deal with on the phone. Like I know with myself and 
you know, I said, well, can't we do it in person rather than over the internet? And it's like, and people do like to have that face-to-face -face thing in play or they can go in and talk about it. So I think um, Don has recognised that, taken up from speaking to people and it's actually introducing it. So I'm pleased that's a one positive we definitely will have in a year's time. Okay. Well, we um, we look forward to um, to how that plans out and um, and to yeah. seeing that 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 come into effect. Um, was there anything else you wanted to say on on that one, Ian, or should we move on to the? No, I, I guess yeah. You know, the, the the only other question for me is for the, for those that weren't at the meeting, Lee, were those questions kind of a, a fair indication of the kind of issues that people were raising? Obviously, Simon and I are both local, and you know there seems to have been a lot of. Um, a lot of attempted car crime and you know what what would possibly be considered to be sort of nuisance crime but but has quite a large impact on on how safe people feel in their homes yeah it's the perception of crime as much as anything can be debilitating it's one of the interesting things i took away from the meeting 40 percent 48 percent of the um, vehicle crime was done through opportunism where people had left their cars open um, they've trying handles where people have locked shut the cars at slower. You do get, I think it was 11% was from where they smashed a window, 15% where they forced it. But 48% was where they'd literally left the car door open. Someone's come along opportunistic and tried it. So it's all things we can try and do to improve it and make a difference. Yeah, and I, and I guess that that kind of speaks a bit to, um, to, to Martin's point, wasn't it? Was that that seemed to be... The area being cased out for for the opportunity mm. to come and see okay where are the weak spots what's worth revisiting um and i guess that the 64 million dollar question is what can be done to make advantage of that bit of intelligence from residents like like martin to mean that actually when and i'm going to use the you know when the bad guys come back that they get stopped um that's the i guess that's the that's the thing so it'll be um it'll be interesting to see what what develops that but i think it's an interesting point that even in this in this in this day and age when when lots of public facing roles in like the service industry are all you know they're all remote or they're you know they're being dealt with by apps or or, or things like that or you can you can email things in what seemed to be quite a theme in the concerns that residents were raising was that that works in some situations and even in policing that works in some situations but in others there's almost like this kind of middle spot where the piece of information is time sensitive but it isn't the, you know the, the resident was already kind of grading it themselves and saying this isn't kind of like a 999 thing this isn't a I need someone right now but this is so that's I guess that's kind of the area yeah. to, to work in but like you say a, an in-person desk um, will also help with people that either would would much prefer to speak to someone in person or you know for, for those sorts because there are lots of things that don't work well on email that you know you can't have a conversation that way you need to you need to speak to someone and it is um something else that donna raised in the meeting was that um during lockdown she was taken on a lot of the staff who had previously worked for the travel industry the um, cruise companies in southampton and it was able to bring them forward get them into the um, uh, call centre so they've got more time to talk to people, they can be more compassionate. It's not just the robot, they can actually deal with people in a better way. So it's improving the public relations. But the open desk, I think, will be a huge thing. A lot of people feel happier, you know, to speak to someone in person. They can see the face, read the um, reactions, and 
So I think it's a very good thing that she's listened to the public. She cares about what the public think and how to improve it. And she is actually out there trying to make a difference. Yeah, and I think it was very positive that, you know, I, I think, you know, generally all the feedback that I've seen, you know, online and on the local forums, I think we're very appreciative of the meeting, um, you know, and the fact that, that as, as you say, sometimes, Lee, there's an element of if you press the email, you press send on the email, you don't know whether it's going into the ether. But I, I think um, residents genuinely felt heard by Wednesday's meeting. Yeah. The, the gauntlet is raised to make the difference and that's the that's the thing so yeah but that we it'd be good to see but it's it's good to see that there's listening you know from yourself and 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 from donna to to kind of make that uh make that difference so um so i don't know if we've kind of uh, mm, sorry i think <laughs> i was just uh if we're moving on to the next question about what have i done to sort out police well improve crime yeah um, well, I, I didn't know whether Ian was interrupting me, whether there's something I'd, I'd missed, but I was going to kind of nope. segue that into, okay, so how will the, how will residents be assured that the, that the community is, is going to be safer? Uh, and I know we've probably touched on it in the responses that we, we've just had, but if there's more you want to expand on, then, then please yeah. do. We have been, we do listen to residents, we do take on board what they said. So one of the schemes that we worked on last year, um, we went out and interviewed people. Um, found out what their concerns were. The perception of crime can be debilitating if women can't go out at night, older persons don't feel safe leaving the house. That is just as bad effect as the actual crime when it happens. So um, we're very lucky we're able to bid into a pot of money that Donna was controlling or brought about for safer streets um, for women in particular. And we did a bid through with the council to get funding for the CCTV in the um, Portsbridge underpass. We worked with um, Highways England to get the repainted and decorated and improve the lighting to try and make it feel safer. Because we, we spoke to a couple of ladies in the Highways who said they actually got a, at night, they'll actually get a taxi round because they don't, didn't feel safe using in the past. We were grateful that we actually get the funding from Donna to put in the cameras. So there's four cameras there looking through. And we probably noticed, or saw it in the news, that um, the rapist had, um, uh, alleged rapist down in Hillsley. It was a CCTV footage of him going through the underpass that enabled them to then go public. And he's now been caught and under investigation. So it's things like that where it's made a difference. And it's sad that it happened, but it's good that it's made the um, underpass safer and it's helped bring someone to justice. So um, we've also got the vehicle activated signs we've got going up in the hydries for by still money myself and matt have been raking to put forward and hannah was involved before whilst we've had another councillor has tried to block it and tried to put a whole note object to the money i think that'll make a difference having the six signs go up they're shown to reduce speed by an average 20 percent and it's something that does get raised with us a lot as a concern so it also gathers the evidence and records the speed so it gives you further evidence if you need to do something in the future but those changes i think will make a big difference for people if it can bring it down the speed difference if it can improve life it's worthwhile doing okay thank you so there's some some um something there to, to move it moving forward ian yeah i guess uh, i find that it, it is that do you feel like um uh, and again slightly uh, the old-fashioned neighborhood watch is the sort of social media 
element kind of overtaken that or do you think there's still a place for for you know that that looking out for each other from the local community i think people do look out for each other in the community things have moved on we've got new technologies it's not the old system where you can remember back on the good life to the um um sitcom where you have someone there organizing it i think we all can yep. take part and it might be five minutes where you look out and check on your neighbor notice if their milk's been taken in or not um bits and pieces but it's also like we do track down and as mentioned earlier about the po6 ivories facebook group people are always mm. posting that there they're posting when they've got um stuff they're giving away but they also post if they've seen something happening or and something that donald actually raised at the meeting is there's uh alerts process i've got it on my um facebook page a link to it but you can sign up for hampshire constabulary and they with the alerts and if there's a series or spate of of crimes in an area they will message through to you and let you know so it's um it's a bit like you were saying about people should be told it's trying to work towards that it's in its infancy but i think it's worthwhile trying to use it and go forward again it all sounds sounds very positive and it's that element of you know again i i I think you know one thing that sort of struck me within the, the the story the first story that was told was the fact that you know the the person had taken what we would probably describe as the reasonable precaution of having the ring doorbell having cctv you know captured the images and i think that's you know i think that's possibly why they were so disappointed in terms of that lack of response because you know as a homeowner there there are you know there's only a limited and proportionate amount of things that you can do um, and it was touched on in the second story, wasn't it? That it, if the homeowner would have intervened, um, mm. the, 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 almost the crime would have escalated um, and the, the, the homeowner possibly would have been on the wrong side of the law. So I think, you know, it, it is about making sure that that messaging in terms of reasonable precautions are taken, but also to, to remind people of where that line sits. Again, it's it's a perception of one. It, when things go wrong, it's dreadful, and the system is only as good as its weakest link. But the mm. vast number of cases where it has worked, things have gone according to plan. The police have done the correct job. You don't um, you you don't get people crying about those. It's a bit like um, in a restaurant; they can serve ninety nine meals perfectly. No one's going to go to the effort of going online and writing a review saying how wonderful they are. They get one meal wrong. That person will be the one that goes online to um, raise the concerns and give them the um, poor view. I've... So whilst we do want it to be perfect every time, we do have to bear in mind they are working towards it and it's taking yeah. the feedback yeah. and how they can improve it is is key. Well, I think that is uh, that's very truly, isn't it? The indicative, of, particularly on social media and even in the mainstream media now, um, bad news sells much better than good news. Yes. It does. We're getting a, a couple of comments there. We had one um, one comment that um, sharing a, a story about how they were assaulted on um, on a bus, um, and although there would have been CCTV, um, that um, it, it didn't really kind of go um, go that far with you know rather than pro- proactively ch- the police actually chasing it. So it's kind of a similar story to the to the ones that we we've kind of already already talked about. Um, so although it, you know it, they weren't necessarily 
massively you know badly hurt it still has a has a profound effect on on your daily life and i could see um councillor rob new is a has also put in about um things uh being better with uh people looking after each other with you know using some of the technology that we have got you know things like whatsapp groups as well as facebook um and enabling um enabling communities to um to help each other um out as well as um as, as well as all the negative things that we, we we're familiar with on, on social media there are um things like that but people do want to feel safe in their homes and their community and and feel that they get the appropriate response um when when there is a crime and there's a response to deal with the crimes because our homes are our sanctuaries and and, and perception is everything and you know that's it's quite right you know you said it's about it's not just actually about the actual crime it's actually the, the fear of it isn't it so yeah that can be so. more debilitating the actual reality is if you can't live your life because of the fear of it that is equally bad yeah um for those of us watching the, the live stream do um do excuse ian's cat that is deciding to try and um trying to hog the hog the shot um yeah enid blyton is never shy at um at getting herself into shot it's uh so there we have it so um so lee uh, obviously you know we appreciate you coming on and and we're never one to miss an opportunity so we're just gonna change a little bit of tack now away from uh, from the crime meeting and and ask you a couple of questions around some of those pertinent issues in Cosham that are um, floating around at the moment and it's been well publicized that probably one of the largest GP surgeries uh, will be closing in Cosham and their their um, patients will be shared out amongst uh, some of the different surgeries and that, that letter came through this week with four options on there um, a Drayton group, um, one that had a, an outpost in Cosham, um, but two were a bit further afield in sort of Copner and Baffins and down in town. Um, as a local councillor, how concerned are you that people are going to struggle to access a GP, um, you know, even if they can get through on the phone? Um, it's something that we have been keeping an eye on. Penny has been great leading on this. I've had several meetings with her and um, NHS health watch um she's been having meetings with secretary of state it's been really high on our um, horizon it was very much out of blue um we were looking forward to having a new um high clear um surgery that was going to be operated by north harbour on the spur road roundabout next to the new fire station it was all progressing towards that and it was a very healthy surgery due to personal problems for um some of the doctors involved, which I don't think will be fair to go into, it has very sadly yep. come yeah. to a rapid end with only two doctors being able to continue on the process. It wasn't feasible. Um, I think the NHS, the first thing they were looking at is seeing how they could split up and with the big mega practices. So I signed up with the Port Square practice that now comes under Port's, um, uh, Port Stand practice, which includes Cotton Park House, and that's my surgery. I know the difficulty of getting in there. Uh, we've got the um, Drayton surgery, which, like you say, has an outpost in Wilson Street. Something that Penny has really been pushing firm for is with the, um, she's got the funding for the Highcliffe project to still go ahead, and that's trying to be expedited to see if it can get done within 12 months. Um, but the um, Drayton um, small outreach, Wilson Street, it has got added capability. They're taking out the other offices from in there, so it'll all become for the doctors. And Penny has sourced funding for um, port cabins, um, high quality ones to be actually 
could be put on site. So it is a possibility it could be taken over from there and patients could move up then to the new high clear site once it's completed. So I was out on the streets with her speaking to some of the residents yesterday and people haven't been told that they do have that option and the work that has been done with Drayton Surgery, the NHS started the process of just trying to split people out and they are yeah. further afield as well. So I think 600 of the patients actually live in Porchester at North Harbour. So they will be given information about um, the doctors that way. And we also had some of them do live in the south of the city. People don't tend to move their doctors when they move. Uh, I think there's even some up in Petersfield where they'd obviously sign up the doctor and either working or living away. So it's some have taken advantage of the doctor surgeries down the back ends, but I think a lot of people need to know there are facilities, there's other options that could go forward. And it's great that Penny has been proactive and she's been in meeting the surgery staff. She's been really chasing on this and I've been pleased to be able to help her with it. And that's really good news, Lee, because I think, you know, again, uh, we, we got our letters on Tuesday or Wednesday and it was that, you know, there was Caution Park and there was Drayton, which you kind of, well, we could make that work. And But the other two kind of looked like a little bit of a Trojan horse yeah. in terms of, well, we've given you a choice of four. And I, I kind of thought, well, you know, whilst I have nothing against Baffins, it's 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 not on the way um so um no that's that's that that's good news and let's keep on. nine thousand patients need to be rehoused and we're saying you can't just split it's far better if we get the final solution working even if it's out of temporary buildings until high clear is built and it's a better way to progress forward um i think four and a half thousand being put into a new um or putting onto an existing surgery is going to be a lot of pressure so um that's hopefully nice. it will get resolved but it's, I know Penny has really gone above and beyond uh, meeting with Secretary of State, meeting with the Health Watch, meeting with the NHS, and meeting with the staff at um, North Harbour. Perfect. Thank you, Lee. So, quite literally in other developments, so previously on the on the show, we'd, we'd, um, we'd done an episode looking at, there was a, there's a, much and it was it was actually um, referred to in in the meeting on Wednesday. The there's an opportunity to redevelop the land, the area to the east of Cosham High Street, currently where the the fire station, the police station, um, the community centre, and the health centre uh, sit. Um, and there was talk, you know talk of, of of the plans for there. So we've spoken about that uh, kind of previously. What um, what are residents telling you that that development should be and what their concerns are? Uh, first of all, it's to the west of the Cosham High Street. So it's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> spot, well, spot the oh god, there we go. My sense of direction is completely pot. Who couldn't, yeah, right. Yeah. My apologies, yes, it is to the west of the high street, but thank you very much. I'm glad yeah, someone um, knows which were, way north and north and west are. Thanks. There was plans about um 750 um properties there, and then Gerald, well, the leader of the council, was saying, Oh, we put 960 or even more there, just not feasible. Um, it's far more than was the Neil fated um down the state which didn't work and then had various problems before it was bulldozed so it needs to be sustainable um we've by really putting pressure on it we got down to 450 we think that's still far too high i think it needs to go down more 370 would be the very max you could cope with there parking must be included to say oh no no people won't drive people might not drive every day but people do still tend to want to have a car and that will be parked up on the road for four days um 
parking should be included in the lower floors and I think that is a real necessity. Um, the replacement of the toilets, they are, there's not many toilets on the mainland in Portsmouth and I've often been out campaigning or door knocking in an area and had to scurry off um, to Wilson Street. You, you don't really like to knock on people's doors and say well thank you for giving me your voting intention, would you mind if I pop in and use your loo? It sort of doesn't go down well. So. And I've been there when buses have pulled up and the bus drivers hopped out and run in and you normally have a whole load of taxis running to use a toilet. So there's a lack of toilet provision. Um, that is one of the key things that needs to be reprovided. Community centre is very well used and beloved. Um, the replacement community centre needs to be built before the old one is shut. None of this site, I will knock it down and we'll build a new one in two years time. You lose groups, you lose different... Um, mm people who get together, they they either stop attending or they find somewhere to go. You can't expect like the flower arranging or the gardening club or the embroidery or even the chess club to suddenly re-spring up into action two years later. So that's something I did raise it the last time I was on. We need to have that um, confirmation that the new community centre we built before the old one is touched. Um, and I think the other thing that people are raising with us is the concerns over flooding. Salisbury Road, Naseley Road has had flooding. The whole area there right across um, up until um, North Harbour, up the hill, all comes under the same drains that then head out and it's putting the pressure on there. With the um, changes that KG5 and tarmacking over that and it's all being pumped into the water into um, the sewage system, the additional 370 will put pressure on it, 960 will completely destroy it. That amount of extra sewage and water going into the system, it will have its huge effects. So, and as was said on Wednesday, Donna is looking at ways she can get the police back into use. They're in Medina House, but she wants more space for them and wants to again get people out into the area. So she's looking at if she can get um, either the whole police, well, police station back or parts of it to put into use. Okay, so there's there's lots of things to consider then. For and um, where kind of is that down the line? Is that is that kind of still pie in the sky? Is it st are plans being submitted or where? What kind of part? part what no plans being submitted yet. I think we're still very early stages. Mm -hmm. Like the suggestion, it's like oh well, perhaps we don't need to do high clear and we can just rely on having a surgery go in on a new. It's like well, I think it'll be it could be twenty thirty before we actually see the buildings being open there. Um, very earlier, so probably say 2027. It is very in early stages, but we're mm. putting the pressure on to make sure it is shaped in the right way. It doesn't move forward. Parking is considered, um, but it doesn't seem to have had a lot of a uh, impetus moving forward. So, okay, thank you. It's another development. The council's recently announced that it's um, it's doubling its solar power on uh, council buildings. What's your view on that? I'm actually quite delighted. Um, nine years ago, when I came in as a cabinet member for resources, at the time we were a minority administration and we were looking for um, quick improvements and found that we didn't have any um, solar panels on any of the council buildings. It was expected to be a four year return and it was always seen as too long term to actually invest money in. So I was happy to sign off whole loads of um, schemes and I kept going all the time we were in um, power, um, putting solar panels on anything that was anything that hadn't moved for a few weeks, stick some solar panels on it. Mm. Um, energy use is in the city. It's good to have energy creation in the city. 
Um, we can't. We need to have a mixed bag. I don't think everything's going to be solar because obviously we have night and not everything we wind. We need to look at nuclear other options as well. But um, we've had the cities. Though, right? Sorry? Not, not in Portsmouth though, right? Not in the same Portsmouth, no. <laughs> no, just, but just before be someone packed. puts that in a leaflet somewhere, <laughs> we can be not suggesting we have got roofs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got the roofs. Um, so we're very yeah. keen we should get that installed. It actually turned out it was a three-year return. Um, it made money even quicker than we thought. Wow. And it's been a great success. We went from being a city with no solar panels on our own buildings to having the highest number, and I think we're the number one city for green energy production, which is great. So I'm keen. And with the doubling effect, I spoke to some of our officers who had worked with me in doing the first phases, saying, well, can we move the um, solar panels off the civic offices if the, if the plan changes go ahead and it's knocked down and a new one built? And I said, well, actually, we'll just recycle them and put new ones on because the improvement has been so high in the last few years mm. for solar energy production. The ones we were laying out nine years ago are now out of date. They can get so much more production mm -hmm. with new um, solar panels. So just updating it, recycling the old ones, getting out the freshest metals and the glass and everything else and having new ones will improve production. So it is very much achievable to double the amount we produce. And I'm glad that some guys started a few years back has worked so well. And one of the stats say about the 150 balloons filled up by the chuff chuff turn it off at the traffic lights. Um, the amount of um, pollution that is produced from our plants producing energy, it's about 10 meters deep across the whole UK over a year if it was all put out once. So for clean air, for a better living, um, as long as it's done in a sensible way, solar panels are great but not the only solution. You do need to have a balance of um, for when the sun's not shining and the wind doesn't blow. Yeah, in, 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 indeed, that's um, that's sensible. But I just wanted to make give you that out there that you weren't suggesting that someone builds a nuclear power station in Portsmouth because that, that, um, no. that's not a vote winner, I don't think. No. Um, <laughs> okay, um, right. So with... Um, and one of the places that um, that the solar panels are going to go is the is the car park at council-owned Lakeside, um, but as an office complex, um, they're discovering that you know many office-based businesses are discovering the work from home or hybrid model. And what does that say about the the future for sites like the council-owned Lakeside? It's you know it's great putting solar panels over the over the carports in the car park or, or whatever etc. But what about the future of those sites themselves? What what have you got to say about those? Um, whilst the use there did drop during the um, um, lockdown, it's actually gone up. We've had more tenancy going in. We've had larger companies moving to Lakeside and seeing its potential and well, their future. Um, working from home is great when you have an established team who all know each other. When you have new apprentices start or you have new people come on the team, they need to get to know each other. You do need to have your face-to-face -face meetings. I was saying earlier about the family police station, people do like to do things face-to-face. So there are new businesses moving in there. There's some new large companies moving in. So I think it's actually starting to look bright again. And even if people only work in the office three days a week or two days a week, there is seems to be a bit lot more of a hybrid. We've not yep. gone completely back onto online. We've people go in for a couple of days, have their meetings, and if you were having um, having to meet a new client, you probably want to do an office premises rather than over your own kitchen table and sort of moving the kids' homework out of the way to and put the paperwork down so i think there's still going to be a need for office space 
and it's we have to talk up Fox. And if it'll be easy for me to try and attack Gerald on if you want to follow our um successes of um plans and but yeah, talk up Portsmouth, talk up Gosham and Lakeside has got a great potential for the future. Okay. Cool. If all those spells they'll build houses all over it, so <laughs> No, not going to be turned into flats quite yet, hopefully. I think in the city plan, though, they so, you had planned to build 500 there. So oh, I think the city plan has let in your uh, in your to to copy your analogy of um you know if it stands still for for more than four days, stick a solar panel on it. I think the city plan yeah. basically says, you know it. If somebody can lay down and spread their arms, we can probably build something on it. Um, so, yeah, I think there is that element of, um, you know, the, the city plan just says keep cramming them in. And I think, you know, as you touched on when we talked about the caution development, you know, there, there is it's not just about having the space to be able to put a building in. It's everything that comes with it, isn't it? It's the schools. It's the, as being said, the GP surgeries, it's the infrastructure of the buses. Um, and the sewage, it, yeah, it takes a lot to actually um, make a community work. Perfect. Now, this is probably the most vital question of the whole podcast, and I know it's one that, that our, our listeners will be hanging on the outcome of. As we head towards May, Simon's touched on it, it, it will be uh, our annual hustings, which have, have grown in, in popularity and coverage since we started it nearly three years ago. Uh, will we be able to count on Lee Mason, councillor for Cosham, putting their name down for the hustings this year? It's possible. It's possible. I'm not going to rule it out. Um, we like to have this nice image of it all across Cosham. They're all watching in tonight with uh, to see what I'm up to and to hear my wise words given out to them. And in reality, it's probably politicos from all over Portsmouth who have um, tuned in to see if I've not got my seatbelt on or if I've got the wrong LED um, low energy light bulbs in the background so it's yeah it, it's always an interesting situation so I, I hope to do it but I'm not gonna I'll wait you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're gonna remain on that that fence for a little bit longer he's teasing um, us Ian he's he's, <laughs> he's, he's teasing us he's, he has he's, he's, He's giving us Schrodinger's hustings um, response. Yeah. By he's, he's both yeah. going and not going at the same time. Yeah, yeah, but, no, yeah. We, so he's making you want me. That's yeah. the uh... absolutely. So we, 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 a sense yeah. of an, an, anticipation. anticipation. Yeah, yeah. Well done. You're, you're, may, you're working, uh, you're working the social media Tim hard. Curry. Yeah. Um, um, so, uh, so yeah. Well, we'd 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 love to have you on, Lee, as you know, and um, the danger, of course, of sitting on the fence on this one is if you do it for long enough somebody will apply a solar panel to you <laughs> i could do it with the cheap energy at the moment so yes <laughs> Absolutely. i think we could all do it <laughs> this is true this is true well we we look forward to your your uh, when you whatever decision you make of course um so Obviously, you've had lots of conversations with residents, both at the at the meeting on on Wednesday and um, as you've been out and about. And your email, your yeah. inbox, will be um, will be bulging, I'm sure, with lots of lots of emails and um, as you're out and about canvassing. Um, so, what are the three things that residents are mentioning to you, and um, what's being done about that? So, what's the top three? 
I think one of the biggest ones is actually a, a planning issues or licensing issues. Um, it's it was saying earlier, things that are close to home really affects people. So um, they can't all afford to have um, get planning lawyers or things. As councillors, we go undergo planning training. So we understand how development control works. We understand the systems, what you need to apply for, what you don't need to apply for. The process subject, the same for licensing when people have a hub next door to them want to apply for something or the school buses. And it's one of those things that residents come to me. We then advise them how they can make a complaint, point out to them. It's like, well, you're not going to say it's about parking or your view. Um, it's about your loss of air or it's about your overlooking. And we make sure they're objecting under the right um, issues rather than just, I don't want it. You have to say, well, why don't you want it? How is it going to affect you? What's the legal ground? And it's one of those things that we can provide assistance i've had a few and we can also ask what to go to plan committee it's something that affects people desperately in the people a couple of doors away might not care but for you it is everything about your home it's your life and that is one of the things that we can do to help and i can say with the training we receive we are we have a better knowledge than most people would okay so that no. attention to that attention to detail so whether they can get their garage turned into an office whether they can extend their um, extend out into their garden and have a, you know, lovely open plan ki kitchen or etc. and whatever they're yeah. doing these days. And the impact on the neighbours and also making sure they do it to, even if it's a uh, permitted development, doing it to the correct standards. So they do have to do the um, plumbing in the correct way. The sewage has to be connected up in the correct manner so it doesn't impact the neighbours. So it's things we can all try and help with. Um, next one I probably have a lot of is the um antisocial behavior i i know earlier in the year at medina road play park uh, we had a real problem there with children coming into the area uh, attacking the bottle banks having bottle fights thrown them around had a lot of residents contact me about it i was up there um with our council team we had the bottle banks moved we put up the signs i was there with the officers Got home, I got phone calls that evening from residents saying at seven o'clock the kids had turned up, found the bottle banks um, had been moved. They started ripping down all the signs. They went and got bottles on other areas and came back. And it, it was unbelievable. If I think I was writing a fiction story, I couldn't actually have come up with this scenario. Unfortunately, I was straight on at the council that evening saying, this is what's happening. Um, and in the end the next day, and we managed to get CCTV put up there. And then speaking to the residents, reassuring it wasn't looking into their bedrooms or bathrooms. It was, um, I was able to show them the footage from it and show them this is what it's actually looking at. And they were relieved. So I, I think that is quite a large amount of our, um, again, you don't get it when you don't get contact saying, oh, we've not had any problems in our road for a while, but if something does happen, you do hear about it. So I think that's one of the next biggest concerns. Okay. Cool. So, Ian, did you have anything to add to that one? Oh, yeah. Well, sorry, I, I thought I'd lost count. Then. I thought <laughs> I'm sure that was only two, change, but then you, but then you seemed, then you, your flow seemed to stop. So I thought I'm sure I only. Oh had no! Two, I, I but, thought I get no. you opportunity yeah. to come in and grill me on that if oh, you no. wanted to, or like what? No, no, be that's a bit of like the um commercial advert during the um our meeting the other night when the guys turned up talking about his cameras, but um. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was quite interesting that for for any any listeners that, that weren't there, there were there were interventions from from 
a couple of people that that weren't residents on the estate or indeed in in the in the ward but were should we say representatives of different organizations that have some sort of involvement and opportunity to be gained from the from the security industry and and i'm not trying to say that they were basically there trying to sell their wares but i think they were they were there trying to offer their their services in 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 kind of um that regard but um not all residents were happy to hear from them instead of from other residents or from the police or from or from the uh, or from the um, police and crime commissioner or, for, or from yourself so it, it I had a kind of various we should balance it out on the uh, at the meeting and, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think it was you know at the end of the day it's it, trying to control a, a crowd of people is is i guess is always a you know we have enough enough to deal with trying to deal with um you know deal with podcast guests especially in in um in hustings because they can get a bit feisty but um but it, you know at the end of the day it's worth listening to people but there are some things yeah. that aren't really relevant to that meeting and need to be kind of taken taken outside of the meeting and dealt with differently in modern business speak people talk about that let's take that offline yeah, those fine, those absolutely. weren't those weren't the words that Donna used, um, but um, so, but but yeah. Anyway, she handled it well. I think I think she did. Well, it was it was she was ready to listen and willing and willing to hear what they had to say, but yeah. wanted to wanted to give residents a chance to speak. And indeed, I think that was that was your intervention as well. Was to say, look, we want to actually hear from 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 the resident the residents here. So because yeah. indeed they might well have services that are really useful that are worth exploring. Um, but, but nonetheless, so option, so, so so the third one, Lee, so bless you for, for giving one. me the chance to come back. Recently, with what's been happening with North Harbour and dentistry, and we've got the new dentist, um, Penny did do her dentistry um, conference earlier in the year, and we've had the government pay for extras, so equivalent of 7,000 patients worth of dentistry in Portsmouth. I think those are the two things. So North Harbour closing and a new dentist, that has been my biggest mailbag. And I can't bump someone up the um, list for getting into the dentist, but uh, I'm able to sort of signpost them to the new dentist that's coming in at um, North Harbour um, near the Tesco's and also talking to people about the different options going forward and what the NHS have told them it's an opportunity for us to explain more. Um, so that's been the recent one, and we've actually had it on the doorstep as well. We were out over the last few days, people raising us, to us about the doctors. I think normally it would probably be parking in third place. So, but the last couple of weeks it has yeah. been um, doctors yeah. and yeah. dentists. Well, that, so if that... any, anything bumps parking out of the top three, then that is, uh, that is, yeah. um, we, we live in, in interesting times indeed, Lee. So um, just in the interest of time, um, would like to thank you for hosting Wednesday's, Wednesday's meeting. As I say, it was very well received by residents. And uh, thank you for coming on. And um, we're going to hope that you, you tip off the fence and uh, and fall onto the side of coming onto the hustings in, uh, in March or April, So, which would be grand. So you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guest has been Councillor Lee Mason. Uh, and I've been Simon Sansbury. Do join us at 627 uh, live on Facebook, YouTube um, next week when we've got um, former Labour um, PPC 
for um, Portsmouth North, uh, Rumal Khan, coming on the show to talk about his uh, 20 years in, in Portsmouth politics. Um, and then the week after, we'll be looking into the changes to voter requirements that require you to bring photo ID to the um, to your um, to your polling place in May. So um, that's worth keeping track of to make sure that you aren't turned away, frustrated, unable to vote in May. You will need photo ID. So join us next week, 627, on the Pompey Politics Podcast. Please do remember to like, follow, subscribe, um, send us cups of tea, biscuits, anything. That would be fantastic. Um, and I've been Simon Sansby. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows, and get to know when we're live. We normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening. Then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. Stop. See? It's easy.